Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We have a legacy to leave. We get one shot at this life. I don't believe in reincarnation. When we're done here and uh, we are people of faith in Christ, we get to go see the Lord and we've got a limited amount of time to do it with. Yeah, if you're over 50, you have a limited amount of time. If you're under 50, you have a limited amount of time too. Because next to eternity, you know, if you live to be 100 years of age, that's just nothing. That's not even a scratch next to eternity. So uh, we were reminded of that. And then we saw those wonderful young people from New Hope Christian College. And thank you. Last week, we took a second offering. It's something that we rarely do. Uh, you gave over $5,000 just impromptu to bless those young people, yeah. And uh, we support their college every month out of your tithes and offerings. We're helping them uh, train young people for the ministry, for missions, and for the marketplace. And I just thought their talents were so great. Man, that one girl that sang that song about change, are you kidding me? And then when they ended up uh, with the greatest showman, that song about about dreams and, and miracles, I guess, wow. Now, if you missed it, because somebody, you know, probably did, or you're watching online and you missed it, we archive that on our church online. So you can go back and watch it all but the closing song because of copyright laws. We couldn't put that on there. But the whole service is on there. You should take a peek at it. And if you have any young musicians inspiring, you know, uh, to, to play instruments or sing for God, you should make sure that they watch that. It was just so, so moving. But the talent is one thing. Their spiritual depth is another. Uh, they were so grateful. Uh, we put them in host homes in our church, and, and some of our families took them in for the weekend, and uh, they said, those kids are just amazing. They cleaned up after themselves. They were thankful. Uh, they wrote us thank you notes this week. I mean, just it's just so great. So thank you, thank you. And they said... I can't really say it because somebody out there might hear this. So rather than saying <clears throat> we were their favorite church, I'm only going to say uh, of the 13 churches they visited, we were one of the top ones. That's, I'll just leave it at that. That's it. Okay, so <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 24. Acts 20, 22 to 24. Hey, I have the privilege of... Uh, speaking in a, a few days to some of our airmen out at Vandenberg, and I'm going to talk to them about two teachers that we have in life. And so if you happen to be one of those airmen, pretend like you didn't hear this before when you get to hear it, but uh, we do have two teachers in life, don't we? We have wisdom, we have consequences. I think wisdom is a better teacher, because when you have consequences in life, you can end up with regrets. But wisdom allows us to learn from someone else's mistakes. For example, that wall right there is really hard. My nose, not so much. So if I run at that wall full blast, I'm going to find out that that drywall and the two-by-six frame behind it is harder than this. I'm going to end up with probably a busted nose. So wisdom would say, I don't need to run into that wall to know that that wall is hard. I just know it's hard. I've leaned on that wall before. I go knock on that wall and say, it's hard. Or I could watch somebody else who ran into the wall and broke their nose. That's wisdom. Consequences says, I need to go experience that. 
Now, I don't, I see those people at Skydive Santa Barbara. God bless people that do that. That's, that's great. That's great. I, I'm not going. I've watched people come down. I've watched family members. I, but I'm not, I'm not, I, I just like terra firma. Now, somebody said, well, I'll never jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I got it. Now, some of you have. It's great. It's great. They tell me it's just wonderful. I believe them. That's wisdom. See, I don't need to jump out of that airplane to know that gravity is a reality. That's called wisdom. Consequences says, hmm, I wonder if gravity's real. Let me go jump out of an airplane and find out, you know? So consequences and wisdom. Now, what does that have to do with our, our message today? Well, the Apostle Paul says in Acts 20, 22 to 24, that there's an urgency before him now. I feel compelled, he says, to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know that it won't be any picnic. For the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. Now, we're not claiming this verse for any of you, okay? But that matters little. Now, catch this. What matters most to me, is to finish what God started, the job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet, what does it say? Know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. And that's the gospel. The gospel. So here's something that Wayne uh, taught us last week, is that we cannot deny our opportunity to invest in the next generation and the generation behind them. It's our legacy that we're going to leave. This last week, I had the privilege of uh, driving down to Oxnard and meeting with our president of Foursquare, Glenn Burris, and Tammy Donahue, who's our national supervisor, and an incredible evangelist that some of you know, Nick Wojcik. He is a man without limbs. And he's led over 350,000 people to Christ. And so we're in a room together down at New Life Church in Oxnard. And we're in this room and we're all talking about this year coming up called 2020. It's just around the corner. And a lot of people and churches and denominations are gearing up for 2020 to be the year of not only 2020 vision or 2020 reaching unreached people groups, but 2020 to say, what would it be like if all of us ignited our fire and our passion for Christ and opened our mouth and told somebody about Jesus? What would it be like if we said, I'm going to let people know this incredibly extravagant generosity of God? What would it be like if we used the wisdom that God has given us? By the way, wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. The wisdom that God has given us to say, I won't be ashamed of the gospel, but I will declare it to everyone. I will allow it to make a difference in my life and in those that live in my house. Now, how many of you have people that live in your house besides you? Come on. How many of you have kids under 18 that live in your house? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Last week, we had over 250 children come to LFC. That is larger than the average-sized church in America. Just our kids. 
And what I liked about our video, not only the cute kids, some of you got to see our classrooms that you've never seen. We have three amazing classrooms up here. We have one that looks like Nickelodeon splatted all over the wall. It's just so great. And all of those rooms say love and serve because that's the mission of our church. We have a great connections building over there where kids gather for Kids United. We have some really cool uh, classes down on the other end as well. And we have some just beautiful nurseries. We have an infant nursery and a toddler nursery. You know why? Because we're trying to build a legacy in the lives of young people. And one of the things Wayne said to us is that we have got to make sure that we let the Word of God be our standard. Uh, the word a standard is also the word stasi, where you take the Bible and it becomes your, your stance, your stasi. And if you've ever heard of the word apostasy, it's when you move the standard around. And when we move the standard around, the next generation gets confused. I don't know which service you were in last week, but in one of the services, he unpacked that a little bit, and he didn't do it in all three. But when we move the Stasi around, people get confused. For example, let's just say we'll pick one of the, the Stasis. Thou shalt not steal. How many believe that's good? That's good. Thou shalt not steal. That's a commandment of God. So the boy goes into Big Five. I'm going to embellish a story. It's a true story, but I'm going to change it a little bit. The boy goes into Big Five and finds a pair of basketball shoes. And he grabs the basketball shoes, and because he's super fast, he runs out the front. So his mother gets told that your boy stole the shoes, and mom said these words, we don't have the money to buy shoes, and I don't see what's so bad about this. After all, he's got a chance at a Division I scholarship someday, so she thinks. I found out later he has no shot. But mama believes it. You know, every, every, every kid's mama's superstar, right? Come on, Mother's Day, come on. You know, my son can sing. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be the lead guy for you 2 when Bono gets too old, right? Come on. And, and then you hear the kids singing. They can't sing to save their life, right? So the kid runs out the front, uh, steals the shoes. Mama gets interviewed, and mama says, well, it's okay. Guess what mama just did? She did, she, she, she did apostasy. Thou shalt not steal, but it's okay today. You see what I'm, what I'm saying? Thou shalt, not, thou shalt not share your faith. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, go into all the world, and I love how this ends, that we tell everybody this incredibly extravagant generosity from God. So, researchers, the National Study for Youth and Religion, discovered that young people have become inarticulate when it comes to their faith. People in the age bracket from 11 to 17 are inarticulate when it comes to their faith. They don't have the language to express their beliefs, their convictions, or their stasi, and neither do their parents. Let me quote. For the parents, they said it's like they learned Mandarin as a young person and forgot to speak it as an adult. Over time, parents and their kids have become less and less fluent when it comes to faith. More and more households are talking less and less about their faith. More and more marriages are talking less and less about their faith. So if you're married, we're going to give you some points. If you're not, don't worry. There's still lessons here for you. And uh, I've got a couple of things I want to say to you single folk in just a minute. 
But marriage and faith, level one is physical. Most people start dating because of physical attraction. When my wife saw me and she said, wow, you know, I had a, I had a 30-inch waist back then. Now I have a 30-inch leg. I talked to a guy not too long ago. He said, you know what? My, you should have seen my wife when we got married. She was hot. And I listened. I said, really? That's, that's what you're going to tell the pastor? You know? What I mean? <laughs> oh, she was hot, Pastor B. You should have seen her back then. And he kept talking about back then. And I thought, wow, good thing she's not standing here. Huh? Oh, she ate. Honey, you, you used to be. Hey, can I tell you something about, especially you single people, Pay attention. Physical only lasts for so long. And then things like receding hairlines, growing waistlines. Huh? Come on. And then gravity, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Takes its toll on the best of us. I don't care. I, I see people running and jogging. They go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, just a fountain of youth. I hope so. I hope so. But you know, if you married... And you invested because of physical, eventually that's going to go. That's level one. Hey, level two is intellectual. It's where you stimulate your partner with conversations. You learn things together. You might take a class together. You might study history together. And wow, you might even study the Bible together. How about that? Level three, emotional or intimacy. It's the person you want to walk on the beach with. The person you want to see the movie with. But then there's level four, and studies show that very few people have this as a part of their marriage, part of their friendships. Now, I'm going away from marriage for a moment. Friendships. People, oh, we're best of friends. You ever pray together? You ever do your devotions together? You ever talk about faith? You ever talk about your challenges, your doubts? You ever talk about your fears and how God helps you conquer them together? Uh, surveys have been done. Christians who have friendships rarely, rarely pray together. Now, I said this at a men's retreat where I was speaking once, and uh, I got, boy, I got dead stares. I said, hey, guys, guys, uh, how many of you guys sleep with your wife? You know, they all raise their hands. Great. How many of you guys hold her hand? They all raise their hand. How many of you guys ever hold her hand and pray with her? Less than 10% in the room. I said it in some. You'll walk around your house in your tidy whities or your BVDs or your chonies, and you're embarrassed to pray out loud with your wife. Hello. Come on. Hey, parents, happy Mother's Day. Let me remind you. Do you pray with your kids? Somebody told me recently, yeah, we pray over the food. Well, that's superficial. Lord, bless this food to our body and the hands that prepared it. Amen. Bless this food, Lord. May the calories not be held against us. Bless this food, Lord. May the hot sauce not come back to get us later. Huh? No, do you pray with the challenges of life? Do you pray over your spouse? Do you pray over your kids? Do you pray with them? Do you pray for them? Do you model what a spiritual life is all about? In your notes, the journey toward full and complete intimacy with each other as a married couple is ultimately a spiritual 
journey. Pastor B, where'd you get that? I got it from Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 4 and 6. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will what? Leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Now, if you've lost that love and feeling, by the way, it's a little 30-second little marriage seminar right here. Get ready. If you've lost that love and feeling, somebody says, I know what we need. We need flowers. That's right. Somebody else says, no, we need a weekend at Pismo Beach. Yeah. Then Monday will be just the same, back to the same, you know. Let me tell you what you need. You need an intimate relationship with Jesus. Where'd you get that? Right here. I will make them one. The two will become one because of Christ. So if you've lost that love and feeling, both of you need to go to Christ and allow him to unite you together in your marriage, to unite you together. By the way, for friendships, it's the same. When your friendship is just based on the superficial or just based on the fact that, you know, they're cool to hang out with. But when your friendship is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ and both of you are growing in the scriptures together and the, and the stasi of God, you're holding each other accountable. Iron sharpens iron. You're helping each other be better. Then things grow. Now, the second thing we want to talk about uh, quickly is kids and faith. How do you handle kids and faith? Now, this is a big issue. Because while you want your child to have faith, somebody says, let your child decide faith for themselves. Have I ever heard this argument? Now, Parenting 101 says, if your kid gets near the curb and there's moving cars in the street, what do you do? You pull them back. There are parents who monitor the social media content of their children. I hope you do. Because there's 15-year-old girls meeting 48-year-old guys pretending to be 18-year-old guys. Huh? It's happened in our community. When the girl gets in the car in the middle of the night, thank God it happened up at Vandenberg Village. It was public news. 15-year-old girl walks out her bedroom and uh, goes down, out the front door like 2 o'clock in the morning, gets in a car with a guy she's never met. The guy's like 48 years old, pretend to be 18. And thank God he rolled the stop sign and the sheriff happened to be right there. <laughs> thank God for the sheriff. Come on now. Yeah. And stop the car and ask the girl if she knew the guy. And she said, yeah, we met over Facebook. What was his intention? That old pervert. What was his intention with that sweet young girl? The parents decided from now on, we're going to monitor what comes, comes in. Can you believe parents want to monitor what they watch, even social media, but they won't monitor their spirituality? Now, if I, get, if, if I make you mad, good. If I make any parents mad, good. Because parenting 101, if the kid gets close to the curb, pull them back. If, the, if there's not safeguards on the internet, make sure there's safeguards. If your kid put his hand near the stove... What are you going to do? Yeah, hey, let them burn their feet. No, 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 no. That's hot. You might slap their hand and pull it back. 
But when it comes to spiritual, sometimes parents just say, you know what, forget Parenting 101. Let them make their own decision. They're seven years old for crying out loud. They're 15 years old for crying out loud. And you want them to get caught up in a cult? You want to get them caught up in something that guises itself in spirituality and ends up being human trafficking? Come on. We have to protect them spiritually because they can't protect themselves. Don't be afraid. Somebody says, well, my young person's 15. They can decide if they go to youth group or not. Are you kidding me? House rule said we go to church. If you're drinking the water out of our faucet, you're going to church. If you get to flush the toilet for free in our house, you're going to church. So we're going to say, oh, pastor me. Just let it go. Let it go. Well, sure. Sure. That's why America's in the mess it's in, because parents have decided we don't want to be the spiritual force that God's called us to be. There's no place for being spiritually passive in the home. Let me say it again. There's no place for being spiritually passive in the home. And if you're a man today, and you're married, you have kids, there's three P's. It's not in your notes, but you should write it down. I'm a priest, I'm a protector, and I'm a provider. I'm the priest of my house. I set the spiritual tone for what happens in my home, the priest. I'm the protector. Don't let anybody break in my house. I'll I'll take care of business. Huh? Wouldn't you guys, if somebody broke in? back window of your house and started going near your daughter's bedroom or your son's bedroom, 2 a.m., what would you do? You'd do anything. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's a thief, and he's crawled in our homes in America. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10.10. His name is the devil. And some people just let him right in the house. Oh, that's okay. My kids can do what they want. They'll figure it out. They're 11 years old. They're 12 years old. Protect them. Priest, protector, and provider. Make sure they have everything they need, not just physically, but also emotionally and, of course, spiritually. You okay with that? Good. If you're not, it's okay because I'm saying it anyway. All right. Can I show you a verse, Judges 2.10? And I'll get you out in time for cupcakes, ladies. Don't worry. Judges 2.10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. So one generation shared with the next generation the works of God. But then another generation grew up who had no clue who the Lord was. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Because that previous generation didn't invest in them didn't share their faith with them, didn't tell them about the mighty things that God had done for them in Israel. And that is our assignment. And by the way, you know this, parents. You know this. Pastor Wayne read it to us last week, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Notice this, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a great-grandparent, you're not off the hook. You still have investment. You still have impact on your children, even if they're adults. It starts here. It's in their hearts, in your heart. You can't give away what you do not possess. It's in your heart. And then you're to impress them on your children. The word impress really uh, signifies almost like a, a, a surgeon's scalpel where the heart is being cut and the word is being pressed into it. We are to, with precision, impress God's words 
upon our children's heart and to talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, to tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and to write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If you have kids that live in your home, this is your assignment. And if you have kids who've moved out, empty nest. Come on, empty nest. Guess what your assignment is? Stillness. You're to impress it upon them. And if you're an adult daughter or son, you call them and say, did you go to church today? Let's say they live in Wisconsin, right? Hey, do you go to church today? Hey, Mom, why you bug me about church? Because I'm going to bug you about church to the day I die. Oh, Mom, let it go. No, I can't. It's too important. You read your Bible today, sweetheart? Oh, Mom, you sound like my old Sunday school teacher. Exactly. Because you ain't going to Sunday school, so I got to, like, you know, Stand in the gap. Come on. When it comes to faith and the home, faith and your children, you are to be intentional. Intentional. Share with them. Now, I want to tell you something that uh, studies have shown. Uh, Fuller Youth Institute actually did a study. They said the number one culprit for kids getting disinterested in church. Boy, don't get mad at me. Fuller Youth Institute. Say it again. Fuller Youth Institute. Fuller Youth Institute. Don't send me an email. Fuller Youth Institute said the number one reason that kids have pulled away from the church is sports. I said it last service. Some guy looked up. He woke up. Sports. Because you know when the tournaments are, right? Sunday. And then when kids go to, go to sports, they play sports in school, you know, our youth group's on Tuesday night because a lot of things happen on Wednesday night, but we lose a lot of kids when, they, when, when sports comes. Now, that's okay. They can have sports. Well, let me, let me show you. Let me show you an illustration. There's 40 gumballs right here. <clears throat> they tell us, according to Fuller Youth Institute, that the average church in a year gets a student for 40 hours. That's it. So we plan, we prepare, we do Kids United. We make sure our rooms look really cool. We have great Sunday school teachers here. They're just great people. They've all been screened through Department of Justice, FBI, Megan's Law. I mean, we check them out. <coughs> and after we check them out, we call their references, and plus we have cameras in every room. These cameras, we have cameras in church too. I won't show you where they are. They're all over. Don't do anything stupid in here. We got cameras, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we only get you 40 hours. Now, if you're a drop-off parent, you got a problem. That's another epidemic in America right now. It's called drop-off parent. We drop them off at piano. We drop them off at soccer. Hey, see you later. Let them go off with the coach. We drop them off at swimming. We drop them off at basketball. We drop them off at Little League. We drop them off at volleyball. We drop them off at gymnastics. We drop, we, we drop them off at church. Let somebody else. I got 40 hours. By the way, if you go to work, your kids go to school, your kids sleep, you got 3,000 hours. You have 3,000 hours with your kid a year. We got 40. 40. Well, the church... The church will make sure our kids know Christ, know how to journal, know how to worship, use their gifts. We got 40. You got 3,000. Wouldn't be a lot of gum chewing this week in the office. We got 3,000. 3, hey, can I ask you a question, parents? 
guardians, grandparents, foster parents. If you got 3,000, what are you doing intentionally with the 3,000 hours? Well, I'm going to take them to church. Like I'm ringing a bell for Salvation Army, right? Come on. We got, we got 40 hours. You got 3,000 hours. I just want to take a look at that. I'm going to move this podium so all of you on this side can see it too. You got 3,000 hours every year where your kids are with you. Now, I hope you have fun in those 3,000 hours. I hope you go camping. hope you go fishing. hope you go hiking. hope you make s'mores in the backyard. hope you teach, ladies, I hope you teach your girls how to cook. <laughs> yeah, I just talked to a young couple, and uh, I said, how are you guys doing in your, you know, you've been married like five months. He said, that's rough. The guy said, it's rough, Pastor B. Why? Because she don't know how to cook. I said, are you kidding me? He goes, her mom is like a five-star chef, but never taught her daughter how to cook. She doesn't know how to balance the checkbook. She doesn't know how to change a tire. She doesn't even know how to check the oil in the car. Some of you are going, are you kidding me? Yeah. So he's having to teach her and indoctrinate her on all the things of life right now. He says, she can make scrambled eggs now. I'm just going, are you kidding me? She never even made scrambled eggs. No, mama did it all for her. Mama took 3,000. Well, you got it, right? Put scrambled eggs in here somewhere and put a little pepper and salt on it too, right? Right? Isn't that interesting? I think so. I hope you like it. It took a long time to find 3,000 gumballs in Lompoc, you know. Hey, is our faith a matter of personal taste or transcendent truth? If it's just your taste, then it's not any different than your favorite color or food or your favorite kind of music to enjoy or whether you like football more than basketball or baseball more than basketball. It's all preference. You like Jesus, someone else likes Buddha, someone else is into Muhammad, someone else is into nothing. Someone's an atheist, someone's an agnostic. It's no big deal. It's just taste after all. But if it's not about taste and it's about truth, then truth needs to be held up. Stasi, this is what we believe. And this is what we're going to fight for, for our children and our children's children and our legacy as LFC. When I was sitting with uh, Nick Wojcik and some of the leaders in Foursquare, they were asking us, what is our dream for our church? We had to go around the room impromptu. What's our dream? I said, I would love to see Lompoc Foursquare Church become a training center for the next generation of young leaders. That young leaders could come here, much like the leaders from New Hope, and use their gifts and talents and be trained. We heard Wayne say this. In the next 10 years, there won't be a lack of leaders in the church. There'll be a lack of well trained, and equipped leaders in the church. Yeah, 1,500 pastors every month in America are leaving the ministry, either to burnout, to failure, or to retirement. 1,500. We've got to come up with 1,500 brand new leaders every month for the church in North America just alone. We've got to make sure they're equipped. 
So I'm real grateful. I mean, I, I was hanging out with young Tyler the other day, and he's just so great. He's got a nice beard. He looks so cool, you know. But to see him and our team, Jeff, and some of our young ladies from our, our young adult ministry collective that meets on Thursday night up at Allen Hancock, I just go, God, that is so good. That is so good. And to see him on the campuses at our schools and to see other young people. I was up at Cabrillo yesterday for their car show. It was so cool. It was great. And I'm talking with young leaders, young guys, just there in the cars, you know. That was our connection. And we're standing there talking. And two guys came up. One is a Christian guy. I know him. And the other one is just his friend. I don't know anything about his faith. And I asked the one boy to the other boy. I said, does he know you're a Christian? The boy put his head down. You're a what, he said. Hey, they've been friends for four years. And the conversation has never come up. So I figured I was going to help him. <laughs> I said, oh, you see that car right there? It was really cool. It was a, a Roadrunner, four-speed, you know, really cool car. I said, that car's going to burn. And the kid from the auto shop said, well, we hope you've got a fire extinguisher. I said, no, no, it's going to burn someday. Everything we see is going to burn. Someday the earth will fade away. He kind of like, you know, almost like you say, well, if, if it's going to fade away, can I have that car? You know, no. <laughs> it's going to fade away. You know what's going to last forever? The Bible says this. The Word of God will last forever. You know what else will last forever? Those people like you and me who have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we take our last breath, we're going to live for eternity. It really does, it really does matter. So real quick, I know it's time to, time to go, but I just want to give you these, these little points real fast. Uh, three stages of faith in the home. Indoctrinate your kids. Uh, you know, I didn't say inoculate. Indoctrinate. Make sure that you impress the Word of God on them. It means to put doctrine inside of them. That's your job. No, I'll just drop them off. Well, come on. Don't just, no, you, you, you got 3,000. Spend time with them. Okay? By the way, don't make everything about God and Jesus and the Bible. You know, you can watch a TV show, you can watch, you can go have fun, you can go work on projects together, woodworking, you can, you can walk the dog if you got a dog, you can feed the cat if you got a cat. I don't see too many people walking their cat, but anyway, <laughs> put doctrine in their life. The second thing is intentionally educate them. Don't be intimidated by them or shut them down. Talk about life issues with them. I still remember my dad, when I was in the eighth grade, every night we took a walk. And every night, he ran scenarios by me about life. One thing was a scenario, and then at the end was a question. What are you dealing with right now that I can help you with? That was so cool. He would make stuff up in the scenarios. How would you work your way out of this problem? How would you? And, and I remember one night, I just, I, I had a girlfriend. I was so committed to her. We, we, we said we were going out. Remember that? Going steady on a Monday. Uh, it was cool. Uh, I was a Jewish kid, and I gave her a St. Christopher because that's what we did back in the day. I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember that. I had a whole box full of them. And I, <laughs> on, Monday, on Monday, we were a hot item. On Friday, I saw her holding hands. I saw her holding hands with another kid at the lunch tables. I thought, wow, that's how she had the nerve to tell me we were breaking up. You know, today, today kids don't even know if they break up. It's called ghosting. No, they just don't show up anymore. No, I'm, this is serious. 
Yeah, I, I talked to a young girl from Caprio. She goes, yeah, I, I think I got a boyfriend. I'm not sure. He hasn't shown up anymore. He doesn't text me anymore. And it is a true term, psychological term. It's called ghosting. You just disappear. I'm out. Ghost. See you later. But I saw her on Friday, and she said, and, and, and she didn't say a word to me, but she was holding the hand of that guy, old Jeff, Jeff Jackson. I still remember old Jeff. They were old that old Jeff looked up at me and gave me this, this snarl look, you know. I got her now. And uh, that night, my dad and I took a walk, and my dad said, any things you want to talk about, any problems? I said, yeah, dad. I, I saw my honey bunny. And he said in his German accent, this will happen to you, you know, <laughs> over the course of your life. That girl still has my St. Christopher. I'm, I never got over that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. February 21, 2019, sorry, that was a little detour. February 21, 2019, Kara Powell, Steve Argue, wrote in Christianity Today, the biggest hindrance to your kid's faith isn't doubt, it's silence. It's silence. So write it down. The biggest hindrance to faith isn't doubt. It's when, it is when questions are met with silence. When kids ask you hard questions, Grandma, Grandpa, when kids ask you difficult questions about life and about money and about goals and about dreams, 70% of all high schoolers report having serious doubts about their faith. Serious doubts. Now, that's normal. Parents, it's normal. If your kids have doubts, that's normal. Let them doubt away. Let them ask away. It's legal because... If it's true, then it will stand up under any amount of intellectual scrutiny. Let them ask their questions. So here's some questions that I've uh, written down, uh, put on our screen. Uh, You can jot a few of them down if if it helps you. But how about having an adult conversation with your young person, regardless of their age? What is something you don't believe that you think I still believe? You would ask this to, to a young person. Let's say they're 12, 13, 14, 28, 29, 39, right? What is something you don't believe that you think I still believe? And what is something you believe that you don't think I believe? Maybe they've changed their belief system. Well, talk about their beliefs. How about this question? When do you feel closest to God? They might answer this way. I never feel close to God. Then talk about you feeling close to God. When do you feel closest? How about this? Do you see value in prayer and do you pray? Do you see value in prayer and do you pray? And how are your biblical devotions coming along and can we do them together this week? Ah. Well, there was a single gal sitting in last service and I said, I just saw her face. She's a sweetheart. And uh, I know she has a lot of friends. I said, hey, this point. When do you do biblical devotions with your friends? Remember in our friendship series, you show me your friends, I'll show you your, your future. Good. Three people were listening. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And the last thing is invest in their journey. And by the way, parents, grandparents, you're never off the hook. You're always investing in your young person's journey. Well, my daughter's 21. She could figure out life for herself. Are you kidding me? You've already been 21 once. You can help your daughter. You can help your son. You can help your grandkids. Now, your parenting changes. 
Your relationships change over time, but you can still invest in their journey. And by the way, if you're not married, you're not off the hook. You have to invest in your friends' journeys too. How are they doing? Are they living out what uh, you know that God's called them to do? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.